All right, greetings, everyone. This is Kat Petru coming to you live from KPFA, and I'm here in studio with Free Will and Franklin. Mm-hmm. And on the phone, we have Julie Richards, uh, Oglala Lakota from South Dakota, and the founder of Mothers Against Meth. Julie, thank you so much for meeting with us today. Thank you for having me. So I'd love to know a little about the history of Mothers Against Meth. I'm curious, when did you notice meth coming into your community, and do you have any idea how it got there? About five years ago, my oldest daughter became addicted to meth, and of course I went through the denial stage, and no, not my daughter, she's probably just tried it. But by the time I came out of denial, she was already, you know, into it where she was smoking, smoking meth. And so um, I went to the tribe to get her help. They don't have any programs that dealt with meth addiction. And they really didn't know that it was here either. So I just started doing my own research on it. And and I started seeing it more and more. And this was five years ago. We heard about it like Ten years ago, we had um, this young girl who who took one hit and had passed away from it, and that was, like, very rare, you know? That was, like, the first time anybody ever heard about meth. And then so ten years later, now it's, you know, more and more kids are getting into it, and to this day, we still don't have a program that deals with meth addiction. I uh, started going out and doing education and awareness with the youth. I started going into the schools, the jails, just trying to bring my daughter back from it. And and uh, it seems like the only time she would should you know be off of it, she'd go to jail. She'd be in jail for a couple months, and she'd get out. She'd be sober maybe a month, and then she would disappear again. So then I thought, well, why don't I go to the root of the problem? Why don't I, why don't I find out, you know, who's dealing this drug, who's who's bringing this drug here? And so um, I started publicly shaming the meth dealers from here and just hanging out with my daughter, you know, and trying to do interventions on her when she's coming down and, you know, mm-hmm. trying to support her into staying sober and, and, you know, just talking with her, like mother and daughter, she didn't realize she's given, you know, given me all this information into her people and where she's getting it. So I just, I started publicly shaming them, but then it came with its backlashes. I got death threats. I got a gun mm. held to my head. I got, um, my windows are constantly getting bashed out, even to this day. Well, one thing I noticed, Julie, with my personal experience with meth, I was addicted for 10 years and I found myself isolated from my family and really only associating with other people that used, where did you see the kids or the people, you know, getting together to use? They have certain houses here that they use as uh, trap houses, um, where they all can congregate. They're um, basically like out of, out of the city limits. Majority of them are where there's low traffic. What I'm seeing basically is the um, addicts becoming the dealers to support their own habit, to support so that they can keep using. While the big, you know, the big dealers are off the reservation, and so these these are the ones. You know, they use them as their meals to bring it down here. And was your daughter isolated from you, or did you find yourself not seeing your daughter anymore? What was... 
she would take off, I knew when she would start using because she would leave and she would be gone for maybe two, three weeks at a time. And, you know, her safe place to get high was in Rapid City, 120 miles away from here. Sometimes I wouldn't see or hear from her for like two weeks at a time. And then I'll, I'll have to literally go looking for her and find her and bring her home. You know, and then she'd come home and sleep and eat and spend a couple of days with her kids, and then she would be gone again. So, you know, the time she was home, I'd have to try to use that, utilize that time to try to, you know, talk her into, you know, coming back to us and leaving that mess world. Because, you know, when every time she'd walk out that door, I, I, I didn't know if I'd ever even see her again. That's quite a scary feeling. And... Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of mentioned that there wasn't much help on the reservation or there wasn't much happening as a form of uh, programs. How have you been getting your own voice out there? You said you would publicly shame people that were dealing, but how did you become that uh, voice of reason basically to tell folks, you know, this is um, not a good idea. This is bad for you. Um, you know, what was your method of communication to people? I would have walks and rallies at least one every week in different communities around the reservation. And, you know, I would tell, I would come with presenters that had overcome that, or I would tell them true stories from what I experienced. And, you know, some of the presenters are, are like, do you want us to hold back or do you want us to tell, you know, tell our story? I said, don't hold back. You know, that's your story, you know, and these kids need to hear that. They need to hear this real life, you know, that's, that's where, you know, if you mess with math, that's, these real-life stories could be you one day. That actually brings up something that I was curious about, which is, is there any way that you or, or Mothers Against Meth more broadly is explicitly politicizing all of this? So you said the meth comes in from outside the community. Are you naming how this is part of a bigger piece of oppression, of genocide, of violence against Native communities? Exactly, because, you know, it's it's uh, um, it's all chemicals, it's, you know, it's all chemicals, and so, you know, to me, that's like another form of chemical genocide, because they look at the reservation, and we're, we, we are the poorest nation in the United States, right? Shannon County, Oglala, Lakota County, but we have the biggest use of of hardcore drugs here. So now these cartels are these these people see you know cash crop down here where a kid will rip their mom off and not think twice about it to go get the mask because that's how hooked they are on it. So it takes over them, it takes over their mind, their body, their spirit. So it's not even them anymore; it's the meth spirit. I don't know why it's like that. I mean, it's all part of the oppression, and it's really sad because how can the poorest county in the United States? Be, have the highest rate of meth use, you know, or cocaine use back in the day. It's just like one drug after another that sweeps through here. But by far, meth has been the worst. And you mentioned also earlier that besides you being the voice of reason out there with marching, um, having rallies, speaking engagement, what has been the reaction of tribal government? You mentioned that you kind of brought it to their attention. Have they been acting or is there any sort of tribal government, uh, work, rehab, counseling, programs, anything like that? 
We do have one program here. It's called a Betuluto TP, but mainly based on alcohol, alcohol treatment. So when we do need to get a kid into treatment for meth, it's not the meth treatment that they'll receive. It'll be that 45-day alcohol treatment, 90-day at the most alcohol treatment. For them to fully fully overcome the meth addiction, they need a year or more of treatment, and the tribe doesn't offer that. And I've been protesting at the tribal council meetings. I I go try to talk to the president, but of course, meth has infiltrated our tribal government. Also, the tribal treasurer's wife was caught in his tribal vehicle with meth, heroin, pills, and alcohol. Wow. Yeah, that gets pretty intense. So, it, no one's immune and, from the grip of it. Right. Right. You know, meth has no prejudices. Anyone it can grasp, it will. One thing that we know as uh, as Indian people is that one way to heal ourselves is to get back into traditional ways to uh, hold ceremonies and to just really remind ourselves of, like, who we are and what the land means to us, what it means to be an indigenous person. Is that happening at all on your end over there? When I first sobered up 10 years ago, see, I'm a cocaine addict and I'm an alcoholic. I stood on the streets of white clay for a year of my life, you know? And so I, I know what it is to be down and out, to be the addict, you know, vegan for whatever. And so when I sobered up, my uncle, he would be adamant about coming after me every Sunday and taking me to sweat, you know, and he had just started his sweat and it was, um, and he was a recovering addict. He used to stand on the streets of white clay 30 years ago. And we were joking about it in sweat last week because he said, um, yeah, you, we're, we're elders now. We gotta, gotta be a good teacher. So I said, yep, I learned how to stand in white clay from you, <laughs> but it was just a joke, you know? <laughs> I said, and now I'm still following in your footsteps because now we're in this sacred circle together praying for the, the other addicts to come into this circle. So I do offer that to them every Sunday. You know, if you don't have a ride, call me. I'll mm. pick you up, you know, if you if you want to go. And I don't force it on them. I, I offer it. And, you know, I and the first thing I do when I do do an intervention, I also go out and do interventions, is the first thing I do is smudge. Because that med spirit don't like don't like the smell of our medicines either, you know. So that's you know that's what people always say. What do you what do you carry with you for weapons? I said smudge, have <laughs> sage. <laughs> and has your daughter yeah. been to the uh, sweat? Have you taken your daughter with you? I have. I even um, I took her to a ceremony to to bring her spirit back, but she didn't follow through. You know, we were supposed to go back, and um, there was another part of the ceremony she was supposed to do, but she had taken off by then. And it was just it was just basically like that. She take off, come back, take off. The last time she took off, she ended up in jail. So now she, they just transferred her to the South Dakota State Women's Prison last week. Well, let's hope this time um, you could pull her all the way back, get her in that sweat lodge and, um, you know, uh, let her follow in the actual footsteps of your dad and yourself and uh, be part of that healing circle. I sure hope so. I I, really, I I hope this is her last rock bottom because, you know, in reality, her next rock bottom, you know, I know she probably won't be here with us anymore. That's the, the scary thing about this drug. We all have like these battles inside those of us have been addicted to meth and it's great to see that um 
women especially are leading the way to um, get people healthy and healed. So where can people get more information about the Mothers Against Meth Alliance? I have a um, Facebook page, Mothers Against Meth Alliance, out there, and I also have a um, web page, which is Mothers Against Meth Alliance. So if you Google it, then the web page will show up. My my big goal from when I first started this is to have a mamas on every reservation, on everywhere, everywhere in Indian country, on Turtle Island, I should say. So, and those will come with the safe houses because, you know, that's what these kids really need. And there's the house, there's such a shortage of, shortage of housing. And then we get multi-families into one house. And then you bring the alcohol and the drugs. And, you know, it's just not a good, not a good place for kids. So that's one of my main goals is to have that set up everywhere. Well, thank you for um, your hard work. Again, that's the voice of Julia Richards, Olagala Lakota from South Dakota, and she is the founder of Mothers Against Meth Alliance, and she's been speaking with us tonight on Full Circle. Uh, so, Julie, you, uh, we have met through a common connection that was Standing Rock, and mm-hmm. you, you were out there in the fight. Uh, what was your personal connection to getting out there and being a part of the fight against uh, DAPL? I did a lockdown on September 6th, and that was to bring awareness to the man camps and the connection um, that it all has with the mass, the sex trafficking, and the missing and murdered Indigenous women, you know, how the pipeline, how it's all connected. You know, it's once the Bakken oil field opened up, it seemed like that's when, you know, we had different workers. We had cartel workers, and they just infiltrated all of the Native reservations, with, you know, around. So that was, my, that was my stand there, was to bring that awareness to the people. Was there even more disappearing of women with the building or, like, the beginning of construction of the pipeline? Yes, and it's still happening. There's still uh, Olivia Lone Bear is um, has been missing for I think uh, I believe a month now, and she's from that area in North Dakota. And they use native men or women to infiltrate the the in- native communities. That's how they get to the native communities. They use one of like if there'll be a native worker there, they'll befriend him and and. He'll bring them onto the reservation or introduce them to that mess. And pretty soon, all their little friends are doing it also. Thank you so much for saying that. I think it's so important to name that because so much of, like, whatever was actually even covered in any mainstream media source was about the pipeline, was about sort of federal politics, about land protection and water protection, of course. But I personally haven't heard as much about the disappearance of women, about all, all of the kinds of dangerous, probably sexual violence that that could involve. That's so important. There sure is. It, you know, it's really scary because even here, we still have a man missing. And, you know, there's been rumors of the cartels being involved. Mm, so there's a relationship even then maybe between the meth being brought in and, and the pipeline construction? Right, right. Because, you know, the pipeline workers work long hours. Even in Standing Rock, they work 24-7. How are they doing that? Not by coffee alone. Mm. And even the guy who um, pulled that that gun out at the river that day, we made first contact with him, and all that time he was on meth. 
Yeah, he looked a little sketchy just by the images that I got to see um, through the Right, through and the you could tell and he was high. You and, could tell he was, he was high. And so as the... Um, as the months went on, basically, and uh, President Trump came in, the camp basically had been dismantled. Um, what is your fight to this day to um, to keep the connection to Standing Rock and the uh, No Dapple movement? I'm still bringing that awareness out there about the sex trafficking, you know, how it's all connected. And, you know, just really, I've been, um, I'm doing a big event. My birthday is January 25th, but instead of, you know, having a birthday party or whatever, I'm going to have a, um, a birthday bash for the youth. And we're going to do the mess awareness, but this time we're going to add sex trafficking prevention into it. Wow. That's great that oh. you're, um, you're still keeping up the fight in, uh, especially a close personal way. Right. Like right now, I'm the only program actively fighting mess here on my reservation, and we're grassroots. So people, I hear people say, well, we don't have money to do this. We don't have money to do that. It doesn't take money to stand up. It doesn't take money to, to use your voice to bring awareness to what's right. Absolutely. For the, you know, for our future generations. So, you know, we've been doing this for five years, and we, you know, we built up what little we have, but, we, you know, we're, we still have bigger dreams. Absolutely. Yep. Thank you for saying that. Well, um, Julie, thank you for having me. um, Yeah. Thank you, Julie, for being back on. And uh, we appreciate you taking the time. And definitely we appreciate your uh, will to keep up the fight. Thank you. Thank you very much.